0: Ground control to Major
1: Tom. Ground control to Major Tom. It's time now for another Pinball Profile. I'm your host, Jeff Teolis, A little bit under the weather, excuse the cold. You can find us on Facebook. We're also on Twitter at Pinball Profile. Email us, pinballprofile at gmail.com. And please subscribe on either iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play yes we get to go across the pond i love it i hope you've got some fish and chips ready Mm, fish and chips and malt vinegar neil McRae joins us right now hey neil how are you i'm great jeff it's great to talk to you it's good to talk to you too. And some people are wondering who's Neil McRae. Well, if you were watching <laughs> Papa TV and they auctioned off that great prize to get your Pinburg ticket before anyone else, Neil McRae was the winning bidder, helping out with Path of Play, which we'll talk about in just a second. So that had to make you feel pretty good getting your Pinburg ticket all locked up after the shenanigans of so many people scrambling to try to get their Pinburg tickets and some of the people being shut out. Not you, Neil.
0: No, I was, uh, to be honest with you, I had such a great time at Pimburg uh, last year when I saw that ticket come up on eBay uh, for such a great cause. I just decided it was going to be mine. Uh, I'm a bit of a computer whiz kid, so I, I wrote a little program that made sure it would be mine, <laughs> So, and I was very lucky to win it, and, and the money goes to a great, great charity uh, that Mike runs, so you know i was one yeah very happy to get a ticket and two, he- happy to help a fantastic charity
1: hold on a second here you wrote a little computer program to help you with that was it just <laughs> when you entered the bid is that all that program did
0: basically it's it's called a sniping program and it basically at the very last minute places a bid basically places the maximum bid that you're willing to spend and luckily that was higher than everyone else's bid so
1: i won the ticket so I'm talking to you on Skype right now, and if you're a computer sure. whiz, have you already hacked into my computer, my bank account?
0: I have not. No, I have not. not. I'm, I'm a, I call myself a, an ethical hacker, if that makes sense.
1: <laughs> well, congratulations on that. And again, we talk about the reason why that charity was so important. Path of Play, which you saw a little bit about last year at Pinberg, and then also the Buffalo Pinball Summer Open. That's right. We're talking about Mike Primo and Path of Play, which is coming up on April 28th. But how did Path of Play affect you?
0: Yeah, well, I I saw the video at Pimberg between the finals. And I think the thing that touched me about it was Mike's, you know, the fact that it was very close to Mike's uh, heart and obviously his family in that, you know, I kind of watched the video whilst the finals were set up. And the fact that the pinballing games had really made such a big difference to him and his family just—it just kind of left me with kind of a great event that Pinberg was. Kind of added something much more stronger to it. And also, part of my extended family has autism and Asperger's. And and from that point of view, you know, I kind of thought, oh, that's that's interesting. And actually, one of the kids in the family that has uh, Asperger's really loves playing pinball, and I hadn't really put the two things together. So that developed into, you know, Mike had some contacts in London on some of the board game side, and I kind of said to him, listen, if you need a man in London to help with anything, let me know. And then it kind of developed as Path of Play developed. I've got an arcade that I've been building full of games, and I kind of said to myself, my wife as well, well, let's open this up on Path of Play Day and let's get involved. And, you know, it's kind of just blossomed from there.
1: We have one thing in common. We're both very, very grateful for the things that we have. And any chance we can to help others, we certainly do that. And you are doing that big time, Neil. When you're talking about that arcade, this is something after Pinberg you decided to build. And I've been to London too, so the flats aren't exactly huge there, uh, the, the majority of them too. And you're building a pretty big arcade.
0: Yeah, I mean, the pinball scene in in the UK is pretty sparse. There's really four places in the whole of the UK where you can play pinball on location. And, you know, two of them are reasonably close to me. Two of them are quite far away from me. So I've been collecting machines. I used to play pinball 20 years ago. I kind of lost interest in it as my own career developed. And then I got back into it through an event at work. And I started buying machines. And as many, many of, of your listeners know, when you start that machine buying addiction it's hard to stop so i had a small kind of gym at the end of my garden it was actually my wife's gym and i must fill that up with pinball machines and then but sadly couldn't stop buying them and then decided coming out of pinball actually i want to build something much more usable something you know something that would allow me to to bring friends family and, and really, you know, pinball's such a social game, Jeff. And, you know, you have the most fun when you're playing it with people. And, and, and whilst I had a bit of space, it was quite difficult to do that. So, uh, I decided to build something a lot bigger. And um, it'll probably host probably close to 24 to, to 30 machines. Not that I have that many, but. If I keep buying them, I probably will soon. But something that, that you know I could really use as a good base where I could have people around um, and then and then obviously link to to the work Mike's doing, use it as a as a tool as part of path of play, and and hopefully other events where where I can share something that's really for me very lucky to have, but very easy for me to open up and share it. So really started construction just after the new year. And luckily the construction team that I used had done a fantastic job. We're almost there, one or two little things to do. And then in April, was as Path of Play Day happens... Uh, we're going to open it up for kids with special needs to come and play
1: that's great it sounds like uh, something that's definitely needed so when i was in london i was staying near kensington palace and kind of near the royal albert hall and i looked on my pin finder to try to find pinball and i found one place the only problem well first of all the place was very interesting to me because it was called i think reds and my nickname is red so i'm like okay this is great one machine acdc pro which i have at home so i was like i'm not gonna go play pinball in london but now i know where to go i'll head over to neil McCrae's. now neil you are a big space nut in fact named after neil armstrong correct correct thank god buzz aldrin didn't get off first
0: (laughs) but i say i've met buzz many times he's a phenomenal guy and he's a bit crazy. He's he's really as as he's got older. He's he's really kind of developed his own style. Uh, fantastic guy. I mean, if you get the chance to meet him or any any astronaut, actually, I'm very fortunate. I've met many of them. Including Neil Armstrong before he passed away and they're phenomenal people. They, you know, questions that they probably get asked every day, they love to answer them. I'm in telecommunications. That's my trade and I study the history of that and the space program helped develop a lot of things. You know, the internet that we use today, you know, even Skype to some extent that we're using to do this call. All of that starts back then. I find it fascinating. I like things that are big, I like, you know, and there's nothing bigger than the space program in my view. So it's been a, a real big big thing in my life. It's kind of guided me. It got me into arcades with Space Invaders and Lunar Lander and, and games like that. And then that eventually took me to pinball and got me into engineering and writing to program and, and many other things that I can touch. And, you know, there's a, probably a lot of people who just saw the SpaceX launch with the Tesla car. You know, that was a phenomenally exciting uh, launch and, and really a space program starting to really pick up again. Um, so it was a very exciting time, and, you know, as an engineer, it's a great thing to kind of to admire. And, and for me personally, being named after such a phenomenal guy has really helped me
1: in life. I'm a big Buzz fan, too. I'm sure I voted for him when he was on Dancing with the Stars. And he's in my <laughs> favorite ever Simpsons episode, too, where Homer goes to space. That's right, yeah. That's a great episode. <laughs> You and I actually just missed each other. You were in Florida. I was there for Free Play Florida and you had just left beforehand, but I'm sure you were checking out NASA and other great things.
0: Yeah, I mean, we went to Kennedy and saw a few, few friends there. And, and then I was at IAPA and um, where Jersey Jack had pirates and, and Stern had just launched Guardians of the Galaxy and I uh, met up with Doug Score from uh, CGC and with their Attack from Mars remake a uh, phenomenal show I mean I mean uh, compared to what we have here in the UK it was it was just a huge show of arcade and You know, theme park stuff—absolutely fantastic. And and if I could have done, I would have stayed for um, for the Florida show, but I'd already extended my stay to go to IAPo, and um, so I had to fly back. But yeah, I literally just missed you. And you know, I I get to Florida probably three or four times a year. Uh, I just find it a lovely place. It's always sunny there, and I love to go and meet people involved in the space program—quite a lot of people. And and, and actually, um, we—I'm involved in another another thing here in London. Called Flip Out London, which is a pinball club we've set up recently. Um, We managed to acquire uh, an Apollo machine, an EM machine. Needs a little bit of work, but it looks great. We're trying to set this club up. It's in the south of London. We've got about thirty, thirty-five machines there, and it's owned by the members. So we're trying to we're trying to create more places to play. Um, And this is another location that I've helped um, get off the ground. Really, and pinball's really starting to pick up again here in the UK. It's probably not where it is in in the US. or even Canada, but it's it's starting, definitely starting to, to show signs
1: of revival. So you mentioned the Apollo game. I'm wondering what your favorite space games might be, because there's so many great titles out there, and I don't know what era you like better, but I'm just curious. If you had to pick some space games, which ones are they going to be?
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i a massive uh, Star Trek fan, so all the Star Trek games from the Data East, actually even, even the Bally one, I don't have that game, but I've played it. The DAE Star Trek game, I love it because it's got Scotty in it. Um, Star Trek Next Gen is a you know, an, all, an all-time phenomenal machine. Although, it, it's one of the, the first games I wheeled into my new room and it nearly killed me. It weighs a ton. Um, the, the latest Star Trek from Stern, uh, an absolutely staggeringly good game. I think uh, Steve Ritchie and, and Dwight really, really knocked it out of the park on that game. I'll agree. Um, what would be at the top of
1: my list? For me, Space Shuttle is my favorite spinner game of all ah, time. Ah, yes,
0: yes, yes. Uh, uh, that's a great game. Uh, absolutely. I, I haven't, actually haven't played that too. Too often, I mean that's one of the other challenges that, that I really realised, Jeff, and when I was in Pinburg was holy moly, how many games are actually out there? You know, in, in the UK, if there's more than a, a in fact there's probably more games at Pinburg than there is in the whole of the UK, or, or certainly not not that far away from it. And there's such variety there, you know, so many different games to play, and and actually a lot of those games and Space Shuttle was one one that I played whilst I was there. The first time I played them. So I kind of went back with a long list of games that I love. And, uh, yeah, Space Shuttle is a great game. And uh, Brighter Pinball is also one, uh, it's actually the first pinball game that I played. And the first game that I, I decided to buy. Where I lived in Scotland and Edinburgh, the local arcade had a Brighter Pinball and a Terminator 2. I always found Terminator 2 quite a hard game. But Brighter Pinball, I kind of, I got into it. So it's the first game I, I bought. And it's, it's, you know, it's got a space shuttle in it. It's a, probably an easy game, but, but, one that, that's, I think got a lot of love in, in the industry. Cause I think it was, it was kind of a really big game in its day in the alphanumerics. So yeah, I love that game. The music in it's fantastic. The sounds, uh, it's really good. I think it's when, you know, the electronic part of pinball really started to mature.
1: I knew you were going to say you liked Star Trek over Star Wars. I think I saw a picture of you with William Shatner, Captain Kirk.
0: Indeed, yes. So um he was in uh the UK at you know, one of these sci fi conventions, Jeff, and um my wife bought me, uh, unbeknownst to me, she bought me like a, a meet and greet with him. And a friend of mine, a guy called Shrox he's a, a space artist. And he drew this phenomenal picture of the Enterprise and Apollo rockets from a, one of the early Star Trek episodes, and I got a copy of this artwork, it's a beautiful piece of artwork. It's actually going to be in the in the archive when I when I get it framed. And uh, I got him to sign it, and, and I had a really good chat with him. And uh, I wear this kind of NASA jacket that a lot of people talk about and, and he's just such a such a great guy and you know he's in his 80s and and still full of life so and, and someone that you know i watched star trek as a kid and you know i used to love it um here in the uk bbc 2 at six o'clock every friday it would be on you know it just again as a as a kid with a kind of a, a growing imagination and wanted to get into technology and and stuff like that it was a it was a big influence on my life you kind of learn a lot from you know is that that Facebook image everything i learned in life i learned from star trek i think for for many of us i think that's true
1: (laughs) that's interesting that you're so into north american culture whether it's the space program whether it's star trek i have been fascinated with the english culture definitely music zeppelin is my favorite band i have a cat named zeppelin i have a dog named jagger and i love brit rock so much and british television the office david brent my hero (laughs) <laughs> and also, I think of the great British comedy, Monty Python, right there. So it's funny, I'm on this side, admiring the British culture, and you're on that side, admiring the North American culture.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, America, Canada, UK, we've always been, you know, kind of close, mostly through language. And, and drinking. Yeah, and drinking, yeah. I mean, we, we, love, we love our warm beer in and, and some places, not all places, but we definitely love our beer, and, and I think um, you know the a, a lot of that culture is transferable. The UK, there's no question about it. it. Often staggers me as to how big we are from a music point of view, all the way back to the to the Beatles and even before that to modern day. Kind of mega bands like uh, Oasis and and then all the all the stuff in the middle. I'm a bit of a, a Rolling Stones fan. I saw them at Wembley, phenomenal gig. For guys that are you know of a certain age, you wouldn't think that they were, and they were they could play just as good today as as they probably did when they first started, if not better. So yeah, I mean that that, that pop culture is in the UK. It's something that just kind of keeps reviving and refreshing and renewing itself. And you know Abbey Road Studios, which is being used to record. You know, some big movie soundtracks now as well. And, and it's, you know, it just seems to be this is the place to go if you want to do that. Where there's a lot of great talent that we keep developing. Ed Sheeran, you know, whether you like his music or not, the guy's got a phenomenal amount of talent in him. So, and kind of started off the back of YouTube. So, hey, um, he's part yeah. of
1: Team Ginger. I'm all about Ed. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I,
0: um, I I like one or two of his songs. I'm not a mega fan, but it's um, hard to deny his, his talent when you see him play. We have this thing on BBC Radio 1 uh, called The Live Lounge, where artists play other artists' music in, in a kind of an acoustic setup. He's done a couple of songs on that where he's just really knocked it out of the park from my point of view. So I have a lot of respect for true musicians who can sing, write music, play music. Um, that's the kind of thing that really touches me i'll name a scottish band that well actually actually some people will have heard of if they think of the movie the breakfast club there's a song called don't you forget about simple me.
1: minds i saw them in concert yeah, in 1986 maybe
0: fantastic yeah so i actually saw them um last week or the week before last at a place called the roundhouse in camden town which if you ever get a chance to see music there it's a phenomenal venue You know they're a band that they must all be in their 60s, and again played. I saw them in in 86. I saw them in 94. And they can play today as well as they did back then, frankly. and In fact, even better in some cases. And, um, you know, they, they played, they've got a brand new album out that, that I think, uh, went to number one for a while here in the UK. And, you know, if you want to watch music, if you want to, sorry, if you want to listen to music here in the UK, there's always something going on.
1: Before I leave you, what do you say to all those conspiracies that think man never walked on the moon? Neil?
0: Yeah, um, I mean, I say, listen, anyone can believe what they want to believe, but, I think the evidence speaks for itself. When you look at pictures from the moon, if you Google, you'll see that there's been a lot of satellites gone around the moon taking pictures. Both US satellites, but also Russians and Chinese have independently verified that, yep, they all went there. Here's one thing I can tell you. You know, I've met um, many of the the guys that walked on the moon. There's two that really touched me personally. One was Neil Armstrong, obviously. I met him, and I'll use a bit of time here, but I I met him at MIT. I was sitting, there was an event there because MIT wrote all the software for the Apollo system. And when I was was sitting and waiting for something, and I saw this kind of entourage of people coming towards me, and this was in 2009, 40th anniversary of Apollo, and, and I see these, this kind of group of people coming towards me, and I'm thinking to myself, I know those guys from somewhere. Where do I know those guys from? And they got closer and closer, and I'm, and I'm racking my brain, and I'm like, oh, my God. It's Simple Minds. <laughs> oh, my God, it's Neil Armstrong, it's Buzz Aldrin, it's Mike Collins. And, and actually, I said a stronger word, but I, will, I won't use it on, on radio. But I, um, I kind of jumped up there and kind of ran over to them, and I kind of a bit of a crazy fluster you know, I, I, was like a, a, school kid at a, a rock concert trying to meet, meet their hero. And, you know, I, I went over and introduced myself said, I'm Neil McCray. And, and I was named, you know, I was named after you. And, and, um, you know, Neil, if, if you read about him, he's quite a private individual. And I started talking to him and then. I was trying to think of something cool to ask him, and of course I couldn't think. So I asked, you know, during the landing, they nearly ran out of fuel, and I, I said to, um, I said Neil, did you ever think that you, you know, you weren't going to make it? And and he, and he kind of looked at me, and and he said, Listen, Neil, everybody knows that when the tank says empty, there's always a couple of gallons still in it, <laughs> and uh, I kind of just, I kind of just stood there. Kind of not really kind of feeling a bit stupid, not really having anything to say, but it was it was great to meet him, and I'm very fortunate because not long after um, he he passed away, a phenomenal guy. There's another guy, Gene Cernan, the last man to walk on the moon, uh, commander of Apollo 17. Uh, i met him many times, and I heard you know the stories he would tell about how they got to the moon. I challenge anyone to think that the you know the way that he spoke. He was making it up. And he has a movie called The Last Man on the Moon. It's a phenomenal movie about an amazing person. If you haven't seen it, I encourage everyone to go watch it. It will blow your mind apart. And he had had a thing that he would say, which was, you know, you'll never count yourself out, dream big, go out and make it happen. When I was thinking of Path of Play, I couldn't have thought of more of a, a more fitting thing to say about Path of Play. And, and again, really looking forward to to helping Mike out with that and, and trying to help kids dream big and make something, you know, truly special happen.
1: Well, Neil, thank you very much for your donations to Path of Play and helping out with the new arcade, which shall be open pretty soon there in London. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks, Jeff. Pleasure to talk to you. This has been your Pinball Profile. You can find our group on Facebook. We're also on Twitter at Pinball Profile. Email us, pinballprofile at gmail.com. And please subscribe on either iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. I'm Jeff (laughs) Teolis.